You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Molly Cohen is a badass. She's run over 50 marathons and a few ultras. What makes Molly run? I was very happy to catch up with her to find out. I'm very happy to have um, my guest Molly Cohen with me today. She is a superstar athlete, and uh, well, we'll be talking about that. Thanks for coming, Molly. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so, how many marathons have you done? I just finished 50. Uh, okay. This last New York was number 50. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, which is crazy because when you think of somebody doing 50 marathons, you think of somebody who is old. A little, little, <laughs> old, a little older than me, yes. Um, but uh, so 50, that's crazy. So that what, So how long have you been running? I ran my first marathon in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been training for the 2000 New York Marathon. And as my first marathon, um, I'd overtrained and I'd gotten really bad shin splints, which turned into stress fractures um, like a month before the race. And I had to I had to withdraw. There was I couldn't walk. I mean, there was no way I could run. So I withdrew from 2000 New York which made uh, 2001, which was right after 9-11, right. my, first, uh, my first New York marathon. I had, that wasn't my first marathon, though, because I, for some reason, in spring, when um, following that November, once I was healed and recovered, I was looking for a marathon to do because I was so bummed. And I went to Barcelona. Hmm. And so Barcelona was my first marathon ever. So you, you uh, injured that, out of 2000. Injured out of 2000. And then spring, I think it was... April or May of 2001, I ran my first one in Barcelona, and then did my first New York the following November, uh, you know, two months after 9-11. So what, what was the bug that you that bit you that said, most people are going to train for a marathon and, and we'll do it once? Which was my goal, which was, which was my intention. I thought, um, I mean, I've always been an athlete, I've always been goal-oriented, um, I... You know, I've always, you know, been kind of a fitness fanatic and loved working out, but liked to kind of work towards something. Um, and so I, you know, got it in my head. I was like, oh, you know, I li- had been living in New York for, you know, four or five years at the time and came out and watched the marathon and always got really inspired and thought, okay, this is like a goal for me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do one. And But I thought it would be one and done. You mm-hmm. know, I thought it would be like, check that box and then move on to something else. And so did you have a great time your first marathon out? It was great. It yeah. was, um, it was, you know, it was scary cause I was in a foreign country and, um, you know, but it was, it was great. The thing that I think made the biggest impression, which is sort of what amazes me each one, um, it's so painful. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's really, even if you try, I mean, and I still like, I'm in great shape and that there's still a point where you're like, wow, I this is really tough. <laughs> like, this really fucking hurts, right. you know. Uh, I might not make it, you know. Um, but you do. And so the feeling at the end, it's, it's I mean, there's got to be a, a, a medical explanation for this or a chemical explanation, but it's like the second, like five minutes after you finish, you compl- your brain completely forgets how awful it was right. you know and and not every race is awful I mean I've had many different kinds of races now but um 
you know, so I, you know, I finished and was like the, 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 not just the physical high from it, but there's something about pushing through your own obstruction Mm -hmm. and realizing that you were capable of something that you didn't think you were capable of. That is, um, you, you want to do it again. It's like, it's like, it's like, I didn't, it seems so unbelievable that I have to do it again because it doesn't seem real. Like to prove that I, you know what I mean? It's like, wait, I need to do that again because I don't, th- it's just, it, it, it just, it's such a strange, right. and it's changed over the years. So, I mean, I think now I run for many different reasons that I never was running for before. But, but that was sort of the bug, that feeling of like, of, 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 of pushing through mm. and, and, um, and like your own engine. Right. Kind well, of. what's kind of funny because it's, uh, I call it the, the quartet of hormones. There's serotonin, there's dopamine, there's oxytocin. Um, and all of those are uh, fired or become enabled during different scenarios. But some of them are like it's an accomplishment or joy or oxytocin is a hug or, or having a meal or breastfeeding or sex. That's oxytocin. Endorphin is unusual, and that's the one that gets released during running. Yeah. And it's, it's all pain and stress related. So your body feels pain and stress. And then it gives you the endorphin hit, so you feel high. Yeah. And the reason what I find that really interesting because to me, it's such a powerful metaphor for life in a very short period of time. 100%. There's a lot of pain and suffering for life, right? And you go through really hard times, and then the joy is the balance of it all. And when you run a marathon, it's kind of like you get it all. You get the you pain do. and, 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 and the so, and, and if I mean, there are plenty of people that will run them on whims and you know and, and slog through it, but. There's also something about if you're if you're actually training for it, mm. you know, and and I just you know I train year round, so I'm never like not training. But so there's something about the process of preparing for something of that magnitude, and then and then finishing it. So it's sort of all of that together, and it's um, you know for me it's kind of like it's exactly a metaphor for life. It's and I almost need that. I'm a very physical person, and I need that physical example of getting through something that I didn't think I could get through, mm, you know, and, and, and knowing that I, you know, that, that it, it's not going to kill me. So in other, you know, areas of my life or when I've had, you know, challenging, you know, periods or, you know, trauma or whatever, it's, you know, my body remembers that like it is strong and it can handle and it will be okay. Like get it's you not going to kill me, you know? Do you know what's funny? It reminds me of uh, childbirth because my wife's a doula and it's just the same exact thing. It's just like, you, you're going to get through it. There's a lot of pain and suffering, but there's just such joy. And then she says that um, a lot of people have multiple children because they forget the pain. So probably that's, it's somewhat, is there like marathon amnesia? Is that kind of kick in? Or? I mean, I, for me, I, th- I think, I think definitely, like, mm. I think there's, you know, there's always, you know, there's always like a, a nervousness, um, you know, at the beginning because you kind of know, once you know what's coming, you know what's coming. But then there's also, um, but you, you do, you, 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 I think the thing that makes you forget it, even in sort of the worst races, you know, at the finish, you, you're, it's, it's just that, um, you know, you, and your own engine and your own two feet and you know there's no equipment and there's no team and there's no ball and there's no you know there's it's just there's something very primordial about it mm. that um for me is sort of like a very sort of like my most deeply spiritual moments like happen when I'm running and it's just like where I feel most connected to the universe mm. to you know whatever else is out there to my own spirit to you forget you know, the self 
completely right it's yeah. there's yeah there's like a real disassociation from like the physical body right. and like kind of like a distillation down to like okay what's important and the other thing too is like being an amateur um you know nobody's watching nobody cares it is the most honest you can be with yourself. Like if I slow <laughs> down and I'm like, wow, this really sucks. Like maybe I, maybe I get an injury and couldn't finish. Like nobody's going to know that that didn't happen, you know? Right. But it's sort of like, you know, and there's actually a point in every race where I tell myself, I mean, I have all kinds of like little mantras that I tell myself, but, um, there's always a point where I, like I literally say to myself, okay, this is going to be the point where you decide what kind of person you are. Wow. Because nobody else is, nobody else cares. Like, I just do this for me. You know, nobody else cares. I mean, people care, you know, you know whatever, you sure. know, friends and family, whatever. But it's like, okay, like, I know if I slow down. I know if I, you know, don't push through something or hmm. if I, you know, I mean, and it's sort of like, okay, how honest do you want to be with your, like, when no one's looking? Like, sure. who do you want to be? You know, and right. there's something really honest about that. Yeah. I always say it's like, I'm, I'm an honest person. And uh, I've been married a long time. I cheat on my wife, and and I and I say, and the biggest reason, motivation wise, because I like to sleep at night. <laughs> no. I like to go to bed at night tired and exhausted, knowing that I did something right and right. did the best I could yeah. do. And that's kind of what you're talking to. Yeah. You like to sleep at night, so you've done 50 marathons. I've so you've done, marathons. obviously, you've done Boston, New York, Chicago, the three preeminent uh, mm. marathons in the country, um, and then you've done a slew of others. And then I've done a slew of others. Um, I could probably it would take me a minute to rattle them all off. I mean, I've done a few in I've done a few in Canada. I've done Montreal and Quebec. I've done Barcelona and Madrid. I did Berlin. Um, I did Cape Town, South Africa. Wow, that was pretty cool. Um, and then I've I'm trying to think if that's it for the international ones, maybe. And then um, and then I've done you know a whole bunch around the U.S. I mean, I've done Boston, New York many times, and then I've done. Um, I did Jackson, Mississippi, because that's where I was born, and I oh, wanted wow. to go back and see. We, we, you know, we left when I was an infant. No, right. nobody really knows I'm from <laughs> Mississippi. So, um, if you picked picked your favorite place to do a marathon, where would it be? Boston's my favorite. Really, Boston is my fa- absolute favorite marathon to do. Oh. As long as I keep qualifying, I will keep running it. Right, and as so you qualify. You don't. I qual- no, I qualify. Yeah, yeah. I, I qualify. And so to qualify, you have to have what time? A minimum uh, of well, it's it's by gender and age. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm in a new age bracket now, so I actually get five more minutes on my time. But it was 3:40 for many. It was 3:40 for 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 my age and gender for a long time, and then the last age marker I hit that would have bumped it up to 345, that was the same year that they said so many people are, are running and qualifying that they bumped the times uh, up a five by five minutes. So I was ended up being in a no age bracket, but right. still with the same qualifying time. Hmm. So for another five years, I still had 340. So now I'm in 345. Uh, so, so what makes um, Boston special? I mean, because you're a New Yorker and you live in New York, and that's pretty and magical, right? It's a huge right? rivalry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, it is. Yeah. Um, it is it's the oldest marathon in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a big deal because... Um, it's uh, everybody that runs it has to qualify. They only hold about a thousand spots for mer- for for charity runners. Right. Um, so out of a field of you know forty five thousand plus, only a thousand have not qualified to get in. So it's a big deal for the runners right. that are running. Yeah. It's sort of like the you know Olympics of marathoning. Like people that are that are marathon runners want to want to do Boston. Um, so there are charity runners, but but a very small portion. Um, and then Boston is just a huge. Sports fanatic. I mean, it's a crazy the, the city of Boston. Um, it's Patriots Day. Everybody's right. off of work. 
it is like a little local holiday, and the energy there is like nothing I've ever seen anywhere. Really? Because New York is crazy. I mean, I've been to New, New York, York many times. New York is crazy, times. but the yeah. other thing is, is like you could be in New York that day and not know that, that, that there was a marathon going on around the five boroughs. That's true. Like if, yeah. if your route doesn't take you, if it doesn't interrupt your travel or you don't know somebody that's running, um, people that are in the neighborhoods along the route know that it's running, of course, but mm. it's, not, it's, not a, it's not as big a deal for the city and the people the way that it is in Boston. Mm. And so the energy there is... Um, I'm so moved when I run Boston, the people wow. that come out. And, you know, April in Boston, the weather can be, I mean, I've run it during a nor'easter. I've run it when wow. there was a heat wave and it was 90 degrees. Um, this past Boston, they said, was the worst conditions that they had ever seen in the history of running the Boston Marathon. It was freezing, torrential wow. downpours the entire time. I mean, from the start, I've never seen rain in my entire life like this. Wow. And and it, well, I mean, buckets. And I remember very clearly crossing the 10 mile mark. Um, and, and because it was like, just when you thought like it could not rain anymore. It was like the sky opened up a little bit more <laughs> and it was like somebody just dropped a bucket, like right. it just even more buckets flew. And right. there was somebody running in front of me that just threw his hands up and started screaming like, ah, you know? And so everybody started doing it. Cause it was like, what the fuck? Like how are we, I mean, you're slipping all over the road. I mean, wow. you couldn't see two feet in front of you because that's how hard it was raining. It was wow. And it was cold serious and it was cold and it was like, you know, yeah. less than 30 degrees. So wow. it was, so it was freezing. Wow. And it was, I, it was, that was by far like the worst conditions ever. Right. And, uh, you know, people, it's funny. I mean, you read the commentary on it. People, you know, people, people read about it. And interestingly enough, there was, I read one, there was one article I read where they were saying that there was the percentage of female finishers to male finishers last Boston was disproportionately more women finished. <laughs> A lot of people didn't finish. Everybody's times were out of whack. Wow. Um, my personal time actually was miraculously like I was probably only five or 10 minutes off what I normally run anyway. So I was slower, wow. but not like, but the winning times were like 30 minutes slower than they normally are Holy and shit. so forth. But, um, but, and so this, the author, I forget who it was of this article was saying like, Oh, there's all, you know, there's all these theories about, um, why women, more women finished than, than men proportionately, hmm. you know, percentage wise. And so they had all this thing about like, oh, well, women have more body fat, so they could stay warmer and this and that. But then there was a counter argument that they ran this, then they, then they, they sort of caught themselves and ran the same study. Uh, I forget which year it was that it was like sort of the hottest, mm -hmm. like heat wave. And there were more female finishers that year too, yeah. proportionate to men. And so there was this whole sort of discussion on like, you know, women can just handle well, <laughs> handle you know, pain and suffering. Well, but that's but I think that's a you know I think that's a thing. This segues into in, interesting because uh, the ultra marathoner uh, Courtney DeWalter, I think mm -hmm. uh, she won the Moab two hundred thirty eight mile race, uh, a mountainous course around Colorado. She beat the closest. Uh, the person who came in second was a man. She beat him by ten hours. Yeah, she ran one hundred and fifty eight miles in one day. One it's day, and insane. and there's more and more women who are better at ultra, and that's so scientists are trying I to think, take it apart. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I mean, and I don't. I don't know. I do think that the. I do think that. Um, I mean, I guess I. You know, I can't speak for men, but I mean, I guess I. You know, I could just speak for myself and say that for me, there's definitely like a a, a mental component now, and I think that's why my times are still after all these years. 
you know, very consistent. I'm still posting times. Like, I mean, I just ran New York 10 minutes slower than my best time ever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for a 40 year old, that's not bad. That's you know, pretty like, crazy, running for right. 20 years, like I'm, you know, that's pretty cool. So like, I, you know, I just kind of like, I think there, there's like, and I, and I draw my inner strength from it too. You know, it's sort of like a very like deeply personal kind of like face mm. your fears, like, mm. You know, um, I think women tolerate pain better. I mean, you know, I really and, do. And like indoor, and, and that you know, yeah. and carries into other aspects of my life, which you know, where maybe I, I should have less tolerance for you know bullshit. But I have a lot of <laughs> you know, I have a lot of tolerance for pain and bullshit. You tolerate <laughs> pain and bullshit, but no, it's like, but it's it's funny because there's another top female ultra, and so they're saying why wow, these women. And I was looking at the statistics for the New York Marathon over the last ten years, and oddly enough. Um, every year, more and more women are competing, and now it's about even. Interesting. And, in, okay. and mm-hmm. like at the very beginning, I looked around the country, and it was always two to one, male to female. And now, ten years later, well, and women remember are, when you right. know, with the, the the first year that they allowed a woman to you know to run, oh, right. you know, and they were like, oh, this is you know, she's gonna die. women can't do right. this; they're not cut out for it. I mean, people really thought like they were gonna die if they attempted it. Right. Yeah. That's really um, yeah. And women have been like traditionally like. Yeah, you know, having babies in fields and then getting up and plowing and you know yeah. taking the kid uh, back. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's yes. really what it is. I think yeah. at its at the base, women just have more um, strength and they have better pacing ability. Or um, or maybe I think when you I think when you give life in that way, maybe your survival instincts are a little bit different. You know, I think yeah, it's oh, maybe that's... just you, there's a there's a different relationship with mm-hmm. that that kind of thing. Maybe right. than than you know than a man has. I don't know. I remember uh, from the Boston Marathon, Rosie Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the imposter runner yep. who kind of like disappeared in the middle of the race. <laughs> she didn't go shopping, but I always think like she went shopping or like, <laughs> she was at a bar drinking beer and then takes a cab to the finish line. And uh, the running joke in Boston was uh, for a long time uh, uh, that there was a stocking company called uh, Ruiz Stockings because they don't uh, run. They don't run. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that, was the, that was the big joke at the time. That's so funny. Uh, but that's speaking really of Boston, yeah. so you were there during the infamous 2013 Boston Marathon bombing. So I was, yeah. What was that like for you to be there? Um, um it was – I'm going to try to be as honest as I can be without being circuitous, but it was a really difficult year for me in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff going on at the time um, with me and in my marriage. And, and I had gone up alone and um, and had spent the entire race being struck um, in a really profound way um, as I always am in Boston, but it hit me more so that year of like how much love and support I felt from strangers. Hmm. Like along the way, I was so moved by how like genuinely enthusiastic everybody that's you know comes out that's on the streets is, you know. And I really like felt that love and support in such hmm. a stark contrast to you know, what was going on in my life at the time. And so I was already kind of really emotional and like, mm. you know, just sort of full of like, you know, sort of hope. And, I, you know, it was just causing me to think about all kinds of things. And then immediately finishing, and I, you know, I finished ahead of the bombing, so I was very lucky. Um, and lucky that nobody was actually there waiting for me because I would have stuck around the finish longer sure. to meet up with people or whoever, you know, like, you know, find your, you know, find your, find your family or whatever. Um, but I had, you know, I was alone. So I like immediately like just like, you know, started heading to the parking garage that I had parked in. Um, and, and by the time, so by the time I got to the garage, which was probably about 20 minutes away from the finish or so, um, 
or half an hour or something, um, it had happened. And the word, it was just like a game of telephone, like the mm-hmm. buzz on the street mm-hmm. was just like, I got, to, I remember getting to the, to the parking garage and like one of the attendants seeing, you know, my bib and my medal and being like, oh, like, did you hear like a manhole cover blew at the finish? Like that was the first thing I heard. And I was like, right. oh, man, that, that's weird. You know, whatever. And I get in the car and I'm driving back. My, I have a friend who lives in Cambridge that I always stay with. Um, she was out of town, but I was staying at her apartment and I turn on the news and I'm driving back and I'm, you know, I'm getting the like live feed of everything because right. it was sort of like happening now. Mm-hmm. And I was just in complete shock. And so it was such a weird thing to kind of be like, A, I was just there. I could be dead right now. You know, sure. that sort of like feeling like shit, like, you know, why, why was I spared? Um, and then just having all of those, like, like sort of faith in humanity and all of this, like, good feeling I had about, like, you know, human beings completely eclipsed by this really evil, you know, horrific act. And I got back to my friend's apartment and, um, before I took my clothes off, showered or anything, I like sat down on the floor because I didn't want to ruin her furniture with my sweat um, and turned the news on. And I just sat there for hours just being, mm. it was like 9-11 again, right. you know. Sure. And and I, because uh, I was in New York for that, but I just could not believe. And then she lives in Cambridge and Cambridge was on lockdown. And so it just, you know, just turned into this whole thing. And I could, you know, the phone lines were down. I couldn't reach anyone. No one could reach me. It was just, you know, and I was like alone. It was just, it was so scary. It was so... um it just really just it's like a like, twilight episode, it was, episode yeah, right it was so disorienting and so surreal mm. and so scary and so i mean and just so just horrific you mm. know um you know and then you know of course all the feelings of like well thank god nobody was with me and then thank god i didn't you know have any reason to stick around the finish line and uh, like all the rest of it you know um but i'll tell you what the next year in um you know, I don't think I got through the race the next year without, I think it was like crying the entire race because everybody along the route were saying things like, thanks for coming back to Boston. Thanks for running. Like the city was thanking us for running, you Isn't know, and they were like, you know, and there was, and that's, you know, where the, you know, Boston's strong and, and all of this stuff. But like Boston really means it. Like they really yeah. mean it. And, and, you know, and it was such a testimony to the resilience Mm-hmm. you know, of, of human beings. And I human grew up spirit. there. I know yeah, it's a very no, blue collar town that wears its heart on its sleeve. That's why they're so goddamn passionate about sports and anything. So like proprietary with the Boston name attached to it. Um, but uh, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. One second. We're going to talk about uh, what wine we're drinking. Definitely. Uh, we are drinking Chateau Ronte <laughs> Puy Fuisse from a teeny little vineyard called Pierre Fol. Uh As usual, I match the wine to the person. Uh, this one is a what would be considered a natural wine. Uh, Molly is a natural <laughs> athlete, uh, having uh, run over 50 marathons and a few ultras that we'll get to. Um, and uh, this wine is, is powerful and elegant and has a super long finish. Not a fast finish, but Not a super effect. long finish like, like, <laughs> like Molly was just going to keep on going. And uh, we're going to drink some of this. Cheers. And uh, I want to thank uh, T. Edward for uh, getting us the bottle. Thank you. All right. But I think you touched on something I find really interesting is um, – the people probably a lot of people probably crying during the Boston Marathon, but the camaraderie that runners have with each other mm-hmm. um, is uh, is unique as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a marathon in St. Louis you were telling me about. Um, yeah, so was I've that had... your first? No, no one of your first. Maybe. It was. It was probably. 
in my first 10, mm. I would say. And um, it was particularly hot. Um, I had been I had fallen with a, with a, with a few guys who were running, some of whom were not actually didn't have entry bibs, but were pacing their friend. Um, the friend had kind of dropped out, fallen back um, about halfway through, maybe around mile fifteen, and uh, and one of the friends continued running with me. And I ended up getting really dehydrated and and kind of missing all the signs. Now I know, and so I'm, like, really careful when I'm running in hot conditions. But I didn't see it coming. I wasn't drinking enough water. Um, I, you know, stopped sweating at one point and had, like, chills on my body. And this guy, who wasn't even racing the marathon, stuck with me, made sure I'd finish, like, grabbed extra water at every aid station, like, made sure I was okay because okay. it was not a huge race, so the pack really thinned out. It's not like these huge races where there's people everywhere. There really weren't a lot of people around. Um, and I was so, you know, I was so touched and moved. He didn't know me, you know, and um, made sure, you know, I finished. And, uh, you know, but it was it, it really made a lasting impression. And I've also had, um, you know, doing, you know, Boston and New York, you know, about about 15 times each now, and running sort of a consistent pace, I find myself, um, and over the years, I found myself recognizing runners that I've seen from year to year. <laughs> and I actually, um, you know, have seen people, you know, in New York that I saw in Boston and vice versa. And there was one Boston, um, I don't remember which one it was, but there was one where I remember getting to uh, about mile 23 or 24, and I'd been running a good pace. I was, you know, it was, I was having a great race, but I just, you know, was kind of hitting a wall and, and I started to sort of slow down a little bit. And this woman comes up from behind me and she says, I've been pacing off of you for the last 15 miles. She's like, come with me. We're going to, you know, let's go get this. Like, and there was two miles left and I was like, what? And she was like, I've literally been like running behind you, like pacing off of you. You set like a really consistent pace for me. And she's like, come on, you know? And I was like, holy shit. And I was like, okay, I just need to, now I just need to follow her for the last two miles, you know? So I picked my pace back up again and I ran with her. I saw that same woman that fall in New York. We're on first Avenue up in the 90s somewhere. 60,000 people in the race at that Six, point. Yeah. Probably, I mean, 100,000 registered 50, 60 yeah. Kind of runners. Yeah, and I look them, and I look over, I forget her name now. Wow. And I look over and I go, oh my God, you know, let's just say it was Maria. I think yeah. it was something like that. And I was like, holy, you know, holy shit. And she's like, hey, you know, how are you? And I was like, how was your race? You know, are you having a great race? And we were like, we ran together for like, a, you know, a couple miles and then, you know, and then we like, you know, kind of, you know, did our own thing. But it was amazing. You know, and I remember that. And, and what, what she did for me, though, in that race, um, I was uh, I was running Nashville last spring, and also kind of a small smallish field, you know, compared to New York or Boston. And uh, and I'm on and I'm on 25. I think I just passed like the mile 25 marker. And there was a young girl. I mean, she looked like you know half my age, who was walking. And I seen her ahead of me, and I see this girl walking, and it's literally like there's one mile left. And I run up to her, and I said, "Hey, hon, you got one mile left. Come, come on." And she looks at me, and I and she's like, "What?" And like, I like, I go pick up your knee, pick up your feet, like let's go. And and That's I got awesome. her running again, and I was like, "You've got one mile. Like you are going to run across the finish line, you know." And she caught me at the and, and so I ran with her for a little bit and saw she was running whatever and then I and then I took off. But at the end, after the finish, she comes over to me and she goes, 
oh my God, thank you so much. That was her first marathon. Wow. And she was like, I just didn't think I could finish. And she was like, I don't know how to thank you enough. And I was like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, here I am. Like, you know, I'd run, you know, 48 at that point or whatever it was. And she, it was her, you know, so I mean, it's like you just, so there is, ex- there is experience in knowing what you're kind of, what you can handle and you're capable of. And like your first one is so scary. But it was such a good feeling, like to yeah. be able to return that favor to somebody sure. else, like having, you know, been yeah. on the receiving end of it. Like it just, like it made my day. Like that was my favorite part of that race was being able to do that for her and be like, okay, you are strong and I, like you can do this. I know you think you can't. But you can like that's let's it's, go. That's a pretty cool story. Awesome. Yeah, it was so it was like such a gift. What's crazy is to be with you when I've been with other athletes, male athletes, female female athletes, and and you say you've run marathons, and you tell people you've done over fifty. They just their jaw just drops because <laughs> you look like you're like twenty eight years old. Uh, you're insanely <laughs> fit, and they just like you could see them immediately doing their the math the in math. their head, going no fucking way, get out of here. That's impossible. But just, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, I mean, it doesn't, it, it sounds strange to me too. Like, it's like one of those things where you're like, okay, if I didn't know that I had actually done it, I wouldn't think I'd done it either. You yeah. know? I, I mean, mean, it's a crazy number when you sit back and think. It, yeah. It just kind of snuck up on you. And like, do you have happened. all the medallions hidden away somewhere in a closet or? Well, it's funny actually right behind you. So all the Boston's are on the left side over there and all the New York's are on the right. And then everything else is in a box. Uh, so I do, yeah. So it's New York and Boston again, going against each other. Going against each other yeah. over there, yeah. Uh, but, that's, yeah. Uh, that's pretty mm, crazy. Yeah. Uh, so um, there are people who run and then one day they just can't run anymore. I don't know if you've heard of this, but they just like, I just can't. And it's not physically. It's just yeah. emotionally, uh, spiritually. They just can't see themselves ever running again. Um, have you heard of this weird phenom? There's actually a name for it that I can't. I'm drawing a blank I, on. I have but heard of actually it. A, yeah, I. Um, I mean, I hope that never happens to me. But I guess if it stops being enjoyable, then you know, I'll I'll find something else to do. I think. Um, you know, it's funny. I was having this conversation with somebody um, somewhat recently about like just the reasons why I've run, kind of having changed somewhat over the years, and I think. Um, and just, you know, a lot of it has kind of like mirrored my life and things I've gone through. And, you know, a lot of it used to, you know, people sort of think that I'm fearless because I run, but like actually, um, you know, it's because of so much fear that I run, you know, and like, you know, being like, you know, kind of having to like reinforce that strength and like getting, th- you know, kind of get- getting through. But, um, and sort of like not feeling strong and like having to like, you know, finish a marathon and then immediately start for the next one because, you know, that it's like that feeling of strength kind of is, is so fleeting. And so, um, you know, um, impermanent, you know? Um, so, but you know, it's, I, I, I'm able to, I mean, I used to, when I was younger, I was like really much more maniacal about like, times and you know doing speed work and doing like all you know the so you used training. to get off um you were in the one you're a wine director right. so molly knows as much about wine as i do and maybe more who knows but um, molly used to work a 12-hour shift at bluefin in times square, in Time square yeah. and tell them how, how, how'd you get home at two in the morning or whatever well i used to you know the the i was it was a you know it's in the middle of times square it was breakfast lunch and dinner the shifts were very long and to fit in my runs if i had to be there early in the morning Morning, which I normally prefer to run in the morning, but if I couldn't get my run in the morning, I would pack a bag, a running backpack, 
I would change in my little in the, in the little wine room, which was behind that 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 downstairs fish bar, you know, fishbowl bar. Um, change, throw in my running gear, and I would run home to Brooklyn from Times Square. <laughs> At what time? What? I mean, you know, I don't think I ever ran after midnight, but sometimes it was midnight. You know. Wow. And that's a lot. So that's a how uh, long is that? That's ten. It's, it's probably, but yeah, it's probably about nine or ten. That's that's pretty <laughs> maniacal. Like I have to get my training in. Um, and so, has your yeah. training uh, changed that much over the years? Or you know, like I have to hit eighty miles this week for me to be on track to be, put you know, a I'm, comfortable number up. I'm much more. Um, you know, I'd like to think I have a much more balanced approach to to. Um, you know, to just living and training and being in this industry in general, um, and also just aging. I mean, let's be honest; it's you know, it's a it's a lot of pounding and miles on your body. I was seeing a sports doctor of mine over the summer, and I was you know, he was like, "Oh, you know, how are you doing? I've known him for years." And I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, my back hurts." I was like, "I've been looking into this, looking into that," and he's like, "Molly." Do you know how many miles are in your body? Of course your back hurts. Don't worry about it. Like, that's normal. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. He's like, don't freak out, you know. But so I am aware of aging, though. And um, so, you know, if I need a rest day now, I take a rest day, you know, and I don't beat myself up over it. But you've worked through some really tough injuries because I've known you over the years where you've had sprains and you're going an acupuncturist. I mean, it's just, and you still manage to. I, I do. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been pretty lucky, I have to say, with, with, you know, having very few serious injuries that really like required some serious rest time, um, you know, everything else, but with the like, you know, constant acu, um, acupuncture, uh, acupuncture and I do massage much more regularly than I ever used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, I mean, I run five days a week, but like I don't run seven days a week, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's the difference. Um, and, and, and just kind of like being, you know, listening more, um, you know, to what my body needs. I sure. think I, you know, I've been, I mean, I've been injury free for a really long time. I mean, I That's haven't, right. you know, have, have you ever seen, I, I'm, uh, I've been to a bunch of New York marathons and it makes me so sad when like all everyone's gone and there are people still running through the streets and they have the worst form in the world. <laughs> it's like their hips don't even like hit <laughs> right now. They're, they're limping and you're like, it's so, it just pull, pulls your heart apart yeah you're like oh my god this poor and then you want them to finish but you're like right. i was thinking like i mean that but person's gonna there because they want to be oh absolutely. you know and and you know i mean and it's a lot harder to run a five-hour marathon than it is to run a two and a half hour marathon it is actually <laughs> you know <laughs> sure so you know it's those people i think are actually kind of more inspiring you know the the really fast runners are are awe inspiring because you're just like wow the human body can go that fast but people that are going slow for so long i'm like wow like if it took me six hours to run a marathon i don't think i'd be doing like i don't think i'd be running 50 what's what's crazy i had a good friend who who ran a couple years and i'd go see him and he was like you know six two lean and i would be waiting for him at the finish line and i would see people 20 years older than him carrying an extra 40 pounds who were beating him by like a half hour, 45 minutes. So it's really bizarre to me because you assume what this person's going to look like or I'm looking at yeah. him going, oh, he's going to do great. And I see all these well, overweight people who are much older than him coming in and I don't know what that's about. Uh, it's, but it's just, know, it's such it a, is. that's what makes and it fun. It, that's what makes it fun. And I also think like it's, um, you know, running, I think compared to maybe other sports is, is such sort of like an equalizer of like humanity, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
it it doesn't require a great deal of skill, <laughs> you know. Right, and 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 this is something I tell a lot of new runners that ask me for advice. Compare it again to other sports. I think that if you if you do it consistently and you put in time early on, you will see results very quickly. Mm-hmm. Compared to say, if I wanted to go out and learn golf or learn how to surf or learn how right. to you know be an expert skier or something like that, mm-hmm. that really requires a ton of skill and there's a very slow learning curve. You don't have to do a lot. You you just have to kind of do it consistently, and you will get faster very quickly. You will see. I mean, you really the re- the reward is there immediately, which I think you know is inspiring for you know people you know setting out that want to do it or you know challenge themselves. It's not um, it's not terrifically complicated. Are you crazy with the foot gear at all? I mean, is there a specific sneaker? Do you feel more padding, less padding, barefoot? Like, where do you stand on I, that? Because you've heard it all. We all, yeah. we all have heard it all. I can't. I yeah. can't do the barefoot thing. I, um, I actually have really flat feet. I mm. very, I have almost no arches, so that makes it difficult. So I naturally um, overpronate, um, which causes injuries. So for me, I do need a shoe with more stability. I could never run barefoot. I would kill myself. Um, I run in Mizuno's. I've been running Mizuno's you know, for probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, they work for me. They work for, work for my foot type. So I won't, I won't run in anything else. That is the right thing. I'm going to call them and get them to sponsor you. They really should. Yeah, they, they absolutely should. And we'll do a wine sneaker sponsorship <laughs> wine, thing. Awesome. And maybe they'll, maybe they'll come on the show and be a sponsor too. That'd be awesome. Mizuno's. I'm going to look them up. Um, how long are you going to run for? I mean, I, 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 I hope I'm running to my grave. Wow. You know, I was on the train. I was in the subway once going uh, to the start of going out to Staten Island to the start of uh, the New York. This is maybe a few years ago. And there was a, you know, and it's, so it's what? It's like, you know, four thirty, five o'clock and on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. right? So this is following a Saturday night of partying. And there were, um, a, you know, a bunch of kids on the train that were clearly coming from, you know, a night out, you know, and uh, and there was a German tourist on the train who was running he had a bib he starts talking to me because he's talking to all these guys you know they'd come they were djs or something i don't know and he's just he was in his 70s and he was just loving the whole thing and he's talking to everybody and uh and so they're talking to him how many run he'd run a hundred marathons oh and he's like this he's retired and this is what he does and he just you know travels around and apparently his wife goes with him now she wasn't on the Subway, of course. But, you know, so, I mean, I look at that and uh, I'm like, you know, yeah, I hope I'm in my 70s running marathons. There's something really primal and beautiful about running, though, because from the time we were kids in the schoolyard, what do you do? That's what humans do. It takes no equipment, right? We run. Yeah. Uh, We run for survival. We run so an animal's chasing us, a bully's chasing us, whatever. And my son is uh, 16 and now very athletic himself. And uh, we were in Sacramento and he just wanted to go off by himself. And I was like, just be careful because a lot of crazy people are around. Yeah. And he told me some crazy story about some guys yelling shit at him. And he was still very calm. And he's got this real great kind of street sense. And I said, uh, you didn't bother you. He goes, Dad, you think they're going to catch me? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the running thing is like, it is. It's you very feel liberating. Like yeah. It is to know that you're strong in your body and can uh, uh, yeah. do it. But there's something about speed. Uh, everyone just, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Right? Um, I want to say thank you to Molly Cohen Thanks for, for, with me. for uh, yeah. um, sitting in and having some wine. And uh, if you want to uh, ask her questions, you can. Uh, do you have a website? 
I don't know. No, we're not, I'm not going to give people your email address because you, you don't need that. Plus, once they see you, they'll be stalking you. Uh, but anyway, thanks very much. Thanks and for having me. I'll see you with another glass of wine. And uh, Sounds good. I'll never be running with you. That's for sure. <laughs> that's okay. right. Thank thanks. you. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Bye.